Hey guys, Mike here for Hokey Hangover on behalf of the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Former Downtown Blacksburg Business of the Year in 2019, Jeremy Counts and his staff at Main Street Pharmacy have you covered for all of your pharmaceutical needs. Medication, school supplies, you name it. Jeremy and his staff, family-owned business, they got you covered over at Main Street Pharmacy in Downtown Blacksburg. They've been a sponsor of our podcast since the beginning, going on five years now, and there's a reason why. They're extremely extremely reliable. They're good people. They're friends of ours, friends of the podcast. Head on over to Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street, downtown Blacksburg. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 6, Saturday from 9 to noon. They're closed on Sundays. You can be reached at 540-605-7721. That's Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street in downtown Blacksburg. Hokie Hangover is proud to be sponsored by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand in the United States. Based in Indianapolis, Homefield is committed to creating comfortable and officially licensed apparel featuring vintage college designs. Homefield puts in extra reps for each of the more than 150 colleges they highlight, discovering unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create the best look at your tailgate. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order. Homefield makes online shopping so easy, even I can't screw it up. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order and acquire blue chip apparel from Homefield, an official sponsor of Hokie Hangover. Hey guys, Mike here on behalf of our podcast partner, Vivid Seats. That's right. Hokie Hangover Podcast is partnering with Vivid Seats this football season to provide you with all of your ticketing needs. Hanging to a game at Lane Stadium this fall, need tickets? Check out Vivid Seats. Going to another college football venue this fall? Use Vivid Seats. Checking out a concert venue even? Vivid Seats has you covered there as well. And they got a promo code just for you. That's right. Go to vividseats.com. Use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout. For $20 off your first order of $200 or more. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. We can't thank Vivid Seats enough for their partnership this football season. Make sure to check them out. This is going to be a fun one. Hokey hangover. Virginia Tech, 48. Boston College, 22. Should have been 50. <laughs> I, I didn't even plan that. We already got a laugh. <laughs> Ain't wrong. Probably should have been 50. Uh, no, God. there's no probably about it. Should have been 50. But Yeah, no probably is right. Uh, guys. Boston College, like I mentioned last week, total bag of ass. They are a total bag of ass. The best time to agree with me on that take was during the preview. The second best time, lucky for you guys, is right now. Virginia Tech won this game by 26 points outside of the first maybe six or seven minutes of the game. Uh, the Hokies dominated. 
This was 31 to 7 at halftime. This game was over at the half. I, I basically went into halftime thinking like if Virginia Tech had one good possession in the third quarter, this thing was over. They got it. And this was a beatdown of epic proportions. Uh Virginia Tech, I've decided I I made this joke on my ACC pod. Basically, since Tech got into ACC play, they've turned into the bar in the ACC. Like, not only are they beating teams that like they're at the same level than or like or same level as or you know a 50-50 game. Not only are they beating those teams, they're kicking the piss out of them, and then they're getting, you know, they're going up against teams that are better from a skill and talent standpoint, and they're losing to those teams. And I think this NC State game on Saturday is going to be a really interesting one because NC State is probably the best team in the ACC Virginia Tech has played outside of, in in my opinion anyway, outside of Florida State and Louisville. Uh, Really, really good defense. Like, really, really good defense. Offenses, uh, well, they, they, they use their they use their they use their imagination offensively, and it doesn't <laughs> always go their way. Let's put it nicely, but it'll be a really interesting game on Saturday, I think, uh, and, and a game where I think you know, with the way Virginia Tech's offense has been playing against, you know, teams of similar caliber, I think this is probably the best test that Virginia Tech is going to have in terms of us trying to figure out kind of what they are right now. Uh, but enough about that, and let's get into the recap. How are you guys doing? This is fantastic. I'm feeling great. Uh, and I do have one question, though, uh, specifically for Andrew. I have one question. After Virginia Tech's 26-point win, <laughs> I'm going to try to get through it with straight face. After Virginia Tech's 26-point win, do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Or do you feel the same? about Virginia Tech <laughs> making a bowl game. Well, gosh, this should be the you, new barometer. You, you got to feel better. <laughs> total total opposite of, of last week. You got to feel worse. Uh, I got to feel better. <laughs> I feel about the same. Uh, truthfully, I feel about the same. Like I, I said six and six. I think that. Now, see, I find that I find that utterly ridiculous. Mike. I feel I feel about the same. How do you feel? Yeah, about how would the you same? be that smiley? Feel about the same. I, I don't like. <laughs> And feel about the same. You got a shit-eating grin on your face, brother. <laughs> feel about the same. How can you feel about the same after watching them beat the absolute living hell out of a fi- of a team that's over 500, regardless of how bad you think they are? They, are they the... just went and won their first road game, and they did it in absolutely dominating, manhandling fashion. Because well, like here, you here, say, Ricky, they're bipolar. They are bipolar. They're bipolar. <laughs> they're bipolar. Yeah. Here, here's some advice to people doing bull pick'em pools this year. Go ahead and pick against Boston College, regardless of the opponent. I think I, let's be honest here, I may have overhyped Boston College a little bit in my own head. Uh, a lot of that was reactionary to what we saw against Louisville, which obviously was not good. It was a game where a bunch of our previous issues came back to light. 
that being inability for the offensive line to protect drones, uh, you know, the big runs, anemic offense. I saw a couple of things against Boston College, notably with the running quarterback, and thought this could be a long day or a longer than expected day on the road at Chestnut Hill. And by damn, they proved me wrong. Like Mike said, with the exception of really just the first drive for Boston College, the first drive for Boston College looked like what I thought we'd be seeing a lot more from them, right? That was the recipe using their strengths. But yeah, after that, Virginia Tech absolutely pummeled them. Bashal Tootin is a dude. We need to, I know someone posed this in listener questions, like how good is he? Could he feel like he's ready to go pro? He looks like he has professional potential to me. No real issues with the offensive line. Drones is establishing himself as him. Like, that's your starting quarterback for the next few years, folks. Unless he chooses to leave on his own. Like, we found the guy. We found the guy. That's the guy that you can build around. And there, there's... Not a shadow of doubt in my mind about that. There shouldn't be a shadow of doubt in anyone else's. And I had my doubts about him at times earlier this season. But yeah, a total complete showing from Virginia Tech. I recant my nervousness. Still don't think this team is perfect. I think that's what Florida State and Louisville showed us. And to Mike's point, upcoming against NC State, that's the test, right? That should be the difference between a six-win team and a seven-win team between meeting your goal and exceeding your goal. And I think NC State is kind of the perfect team to illustrate that against. Because given the caliber of what they have, at least on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Tech can go out and say, we beat a really good group, at least on one side of the ball, right? Like, And that'll be a big, you know, barometer in the progress that we've made, which I... You know, you can't deny at this point, this program has made multiple steps in the right direction this season. And it's like, how many more can we, how many more can we take? So I recant absolutely nothing. Um, as I stated, when we picked this game, I agree <laughs> oh, with Mike. <laughs> you did. In, in, you in did. the sense that this was entirely going to be dependent on what version of Virginia Tech showed up. You did. And I said it on the pod. I said it during the game on Twitter. This is probably the most bipolar team in the country. Uh, we have seen now Virginia Tech beat the pants off of multiple teams in their conference. We have seen them wet the bed multiple times this year. This is who they are, right? You're you're, you're getting you're getting like prime select USDA ribeye. Or you're getting, like, I don't know, like the 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 trimmings off of like Chuck. Okay, like th this is this is what it is. Virginia Tech is just insanely unpredictable at this point. And to Mike's point, uh, to start this off, it's really going to set up an interesting matchup next weekend, where NC State uh, plays pretty good defense. Uh, their offense is a mess. Um, but they are winning nonetheless. 
one point of order just to correct the record here. Uh, Boston College's second drive was good. The first drive ended in interception. It was the first play of the game. Of Tommy the game, Castellanos yeah. gets picked off. That is a fair uh, point. I, I just thought about drive well, as a, happened, a group of sustained plays. It happened so Their first one fast. was not a group of sustained plays. So I guess it, I possession. just 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 a possession, really. It <laughs> happened so damn fast that it's easy to forget that like BC actually started the game with the ball and Castellanos promptly threw an interception to Dorian strong, which uh, Dorian strong's having a hell of a season season. Chris Coleman pointed that out on Twitter, uh, former colleague of mine. If you haven't seen it, go to his X account, Twitter X, same thing, go to his account and see that tweet. Uh, strong's having a pretty strong year. When targeting, I have it. I have it. I I have it pulled up real, real quick, quick. Rick, when uh, targeting Dorian Strong, opposing quarterbacks are seven of twenty-four for seventy-six yards with one touchdown and three interceptions this year. Yeah, not Um, great. Not not great. And uh, David Cunningham, he added to that in a tweet that I will find. I got it. Of FBS cornerbacks who have played a minimum of 50% of snaps this season, Hokies corner Dorian Strong leads the nation in fewest receptions allowed with seven. Also leads the nation in reception percentage against 29.2%. That's the seven for 24 that Coleman was referencing. He's also second in the country in yards allowed with 76 total yards. So that's kind of where he stacks up relative to the to the Coleman tweet. Obviously, he had two interceptions yesterday against BC, probably his best game of the year. Correct. Not bad for a guy that no one really even pinned as, you know, cornerback number one heading into the season. Well, I think we all thought it was going to be Delane was corner one, and then Strong would be like a one B or a number or a strong number two. But Dorian Strong's been the best corner on the team this year by far. I think that that's. Pretty, no pretty concrete but to kind of wrap this up my main takeaway is drones is the guy andrew you said it this is yep this is your quarterback that you build around for next year when you go into the portal your your brent prize not going to have to look for a starter in the portal this offseason this will be the first time i think that Virginia Tech will know who their starter is going into the following season for the first time in a handful of years. I can't think of the last time that it was. What, like Brewer to Brewer? Maybe, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like every year there's been a question mark. Jackson, to... I mean, Jackson, I, that wasn't really his question mark. The, the Jackson 1 to Jackson 2. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Year. Fuente was trying to make that into a and competition. And then he blew his but leg was... out, but... You walk, yeah, but yeah, so, never yeah so, okay. So, this is the first time since Josh Jackson's second year, so 2018. Yeah, a long time. Now Virginia Tech has known concrete this is who the guy is next year, and I think that that's going to solve a lot of problems this offseason. It makes things a lot easier in the portal when you're not having to, to worry about who, who QB1 is now. Whether or not he leaves of his own accord, let's certainly hope not. We're not going to get into that discussion right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but boys, this was a fun game to watch. Um, essentially, hell, even after BC's first touchdown, I still felt like Virginia Tech was in control of the game, and they promptly took control of the game with four straight touchdowns, onside kick in there. Yeah, which, which 
gutsy call. It's like yeah, steal he, a possession. Brent, right? Brent was not playing any games on Saturday. No. Um, he, he wanted to take it to BC right off the rip. They did a tremendous job running the football. I thought they leaned on drones a bit too much in the run game for my liking as far as sustainability goes, but it was highly successful, highly efficient on the ground. Uh, just a, a phenomenal performance really all the way around. They were good on special teams. They were great on defense. They were good on offense. Like I said, they should have got their 50 burger if Grant Wells didn't fumble. This was a really, really strong performance from the Hokies, a shocking performance as far as I'm concerned, given that they've been so bad on the road and so inconsistent this year. Virginia Tech checked off a few boxes in this one, and I think it makes me uh, far more confident in their ability to make a bowl game than I did coming into this game to answer your question, Mike. I mean, you definitely have to feel more confident. And so far as not according to Mike, you don't, they went, I mean, they, they went from needing two more wins to one more win. So, well, yeah, yeah. Far more likely. Right. No, no. Like in that regard, in that regard. Yes. We'd be right. happy if of they course. lost by any amount of points, of course, suddenly we'd feel, you know, what would you feel? The, the chances of making a bowl game were under 50%. Now <laughs> they feel like what, like 90%. Yeah, I, I asked that question mostly as a joke, as a bit for the last podcast, but like the, really the obvious, the, the obvious, well, yeah, the obvious difference of of this week versus last week is that Virginia Tech went into this game as a favorite, right? And even if they had gone into the game as a slight underdog, I think we all feel a bit differently about Boston College as a team, regardless of like how bad we thought Boston College was going in. We all knew Louisville was better than Boston College, right? We knew that was going to be a much tougher test for Virginia Tech going on the road to Louisville than going up to Chestnut Hill to face BC. So I, I think coming out of it, obviously, uh, you're one win closer to bowl eligibility. The, the one thing I'll say is that I, I do think NC State's defense will present a tough test for the Hokies. I think it'll be a a good measuring stick game for Virginia Tech as far as where they're at because... Virginia Tech, to their credit, like the Hokies are beating the brakes off of these teams they're beating in conference play, right? Like another 48-point performance. They have like 100. I, I think I, I got to go back and run the numbers. It's like 154 to 70-something in their conference wins. Uh, I mean, they are leaving, no doubt. The margin for victory is vast in, in these conference wins, right? But I, I'm looking at these teams that Tech has beaten – and I'm still trying to find like the quality win. And even though NC State has their flaws offensively, with the way Dave Doran has coached that team this year, especially on the defensive side of the football, they have a veteran quarterback coming to Blacksburg and, and Brennan Armstrong. They do have good skill position players, even though the offense has struggled. I think this would be a really, really good win on senior day in Blacksburg next Saturday. And then you look at the final game of the year, just looking ahead, projecting a little bit. I talk about Boston College as like one of the worst six win teams in the country. Bill Connolly's SP plus backs that up. In fact, he thinks they're the third worst team in the ACC by his numbers. Um, only Pittsburgh and Virginia are ranked lower uh, than Boston College in, in this week's SP plus in the ACC kind of gives you an idea of of you know, how BC has looked, who they've beaten and and kind of what the anticipation is for the rest of their season moving forward. But Virginia, conversely, 
Like they lost a tough game to Louisville on Thursday night. They're now one in five this year in one score games. Uh, they're two and eight on the year, but I think their record could be a bit better, right? Um, some of that in, in one score games, especially we talk about BC getting lucky on one side of the coin, right? With their record in one score games this year. But now look at kind of how UVA has struggled in their one score games. And some of that is luck related, right? Like if you get yourself in enough one score games, like it's going to go your way by method of like a coin flip uh, over a course of time, right? And I think that Virginia is one of those teams that's probably a bit better than their two and eight record. Not saying they're fantastic, not saying Virginia Tech won't be favored going into that game, but, you know, the Hokies have owned that rivalry. But I don't think that's necessarily a, a walkover game in the way that, you know, and maybe I'm wrong, right? But I don't think it's going to be a walkover game in the way that kind of BC was or Syracuse was or Wake Forest was. That kind of remains to be seen. So I think there there are two interesting games coming up left on the schedule. And I do think the Hokies will make a bowl game. I, I've kind of maintained that. I do think the the chances of of making a bowl game winning out, that's that's a question we got tonight too, like, do you guys feel like Virginia Tech could win out? I mean, certainly possible if that version that we just saw of Virginia Tech just showed up over 600 yards of offense on Saturday. That's that's the second most in ACC history for Virginia Tech. Like since they've joined this conference, they, they've only, you know, eclipsed that mark one other time. And it was in 2019. I got to go back and, and remember what game that was. But this was a really impressive performance. Kyron Drones, he you know first Virginia Tech quarterback to have a hundred yards rushing and a hundred yards receiving, hundred yards receiving, hundred yards rushing and a hundred yards passing. Excuse me, in a first half since Brian Randall in two thousand three. So that's twenty years that that's happened. So just really really impressed by him, and I wholeheartedly agree with you guys. Like Dr- Drones is the guy. I, I thought that coming into this game, but when you just see him continue to put together these types of performances and especially to see him do it on the road because he hadn't done it on the road yet. Really impressive. Uh, made all the right plays, the the running game, the, the passing game. The only play, like I, I think, you know, early in the game, I was talking to a few people about this. Drones, I think, probably should have handed the ball off to Bashal Tootin on the, uh, the inside zone play on the first possession of the game, they were down by the goal line. They had to settle for a field goal after a false start penalty off that first interception. Tootin probably walks in the end zone drones, keeps it and goes you know, over to the right side and gets tackled. Uh, that was really the only real poor read I saw him make in the running game all day. So he was just really impressive. Uh, this was just a really complete performance and yeah, feel good about where things are at coming out of this game for sure. So one quick point related to Virginia, just kind of an odd stat. Uh, In six of their last seven games, they have either won or lost by a single score, which is kind of kind of freaky. Yeah. But to kind of hammer this this drones point home. So he's only made eight starts. Right. So we have to take that into account. But in those eight starts, he's thrown eight touchdowns, added four more on the ground, just two interceptions. He's completing over 60% of his passes. He's doing this with wide receiver one off the field. Ollie Jennings hasn't played. This has been a really, really impressive year for Kyron Drones, considering he had kind of that rough start against Rutgers and Marshall. He has really, really developed, and his whole body of work for this season has really grown. Um, 
He's averaging over four yards a carry, which includes the sack numbers. But just a a a real evident maturing of drones as a passer and as a a general of the offense, managing the offense, not taking bad plays, uh, handling handling pressure well. I think he's done a phenomenal job of that, and you know he he put up duds against Florida State and Louisville, and that's true. But if you look at all of the data points, Jerome's is his pros are outweighing the cons, and it's starting to get pretty pretty one sided. So, um, unless there's some sort of ugly finish to the season for Kyron, which I don't think we're going to see, this is going to be a a really, really productive year for him. And there's no way to argue that Virginia Tech shouldn't go into the 2024 season thinking, all right, we have to build around this guy. Yeah, the pros outweigh the cons. And the best and really most exciting part about it is knowing that he's probably not anywhere near his full potential that for all the reasons that we were a little bit worried about him coming in and being raw, given the circumstances around his previous experience, you know, being in high school during a COVID time. So you're losing progress steps. Like all of that remains true. And with a full off season where the coaching staff is like we talked about building around him, like we could take an even bigger step forward next year. And, you know, that's something that for us as fans in the off season, just to have that to be excited about something Virginia tech hasn't had in a long time. So, but Mike, to the point you were making earlier, because I think we know that if they beat NC state, like that will be the signature win. Yeah. That will be the best team they've beat all year. At yeah. least yeah. pre bowl game. For sure. But to this point, who is that? Is that Boston College? Because I think this is the best win like on the schedule right now. Probably probably is the best win on this the schedule. Is, I mean, by th- virtue of just their record, it, I think so. I mean, Syracuse is real. I mean, Syracuse, Syracuse won yesterday. Bad, they won bad. yesterday, but they're reeling. Wake is bad. Wake is bad. They, they went bad. on the road to win this game. They did it after getting trounced the week before. Rebounding from that kind of performance against Louisville to walk into Context. DC, which is not a loud place to play, but is kind of a lifeless place to play. And to just win this game in, in by halftime. I mean, like non-competitive. There was like a like a two percent chance or something that BC was gonna win the game at halftime. I mean, it was it was just completely over. And to be able to put together that kind of performance after, I think, a huge letdown the week before, because I think that's what it was, with the Virginia Tech was riding high. They had some legitimate like ACC hopes ahead of them if they could at least play competitive against Louisville, which, to Michael's chagrin, the ACC title hopes are once again back in the conversation. Unbelievable. <laughs> If but, if Miami if Miami beats Louisville next week and Virginia Tech and North Carolina both win out, Virginia Tech goes to the ACC championship game. 
everyone can once again start calling me, asking me to stay at my place in Charlotte. It's, <laughs> it's not even what's sickening about this whole thing is like I, I appreciate that that fans are talking about it again after just getting totally pantsed by an actual ACC title contender last Saturday. But the thing that I appreciate about this entire conversation, it's going to drive me nuts, especially if Miami beats Louisville. It's going to drive me nuts going into the last week of the season is that this is not really that far fetched of a scenario. That's yeah. that's what's that's what's nuts. <laughs> like It's not that far fetched. Like, I'm going to have to live with this. I mean, it could <laughs> happen. I just appreciate the fact that it could happen. Like, it's very I mean, funny. Like, Virginia Tech is, from what we've seen, obviously a much improved team from where they were last year, a much improved team from where they were earlier this year. Virginia Tech is not the ACC title contender that we right. want them to be. Right. And that has been proven when they face the two teams that will likely be playing each other for said ACC title, and they were not in those games. Yeah. I, and but I think it's fun to have the illusion of like we're in that grouping. And then, and then, of course, like you said, Mike, like the reality is it theoretically could happen. Like, yeah. we are not mathematically eliminated by any means. Yeah, the the narrative I think will be really funny too, because like all the credit in the world to Brent Pry and his staff for like getting this thing turned around after how things looked in September when things were looking extremely dire. All the credit in the world to them. But we mentioned this going into the Louisville game. Like a lot of the reason why Virginia Tech has been in this position all year, where they're even in the ACC title game conversation, is like number one, they're winning games against a bunch of teams that are kind of in the middle to the bottom of the, and now arguably to the bottom of the ACC, right? Uh, it's really been the circumstances around them that's kind of put them in this spot where they're continuously like pushing themselves to the top of this conversation, even though we all acknowledge like they are not there yet, right? Uh, they're improving, certainly. And, and honestly, like the next part of this conversation is we all went into the year, all three of us said Virginia, you know, our prediction was five and seven. Each one of us said five and seven, you know, for Virginia Tech season prediction. If Virginia Tech were to lose the last two games close, I would be very disappointed that Tech didn't make a bowl game. But at the same time, I kind of have a confidence and like an understanding. An understanding would be a better word of where we're at like coming in coming into the year it's like okay are we going to take these steps forward from year one that was really ugly and it wasn't looking good in september and we all had questions about okay what's this going to look like if it kind of really bottoms out this year where do we go from here now tech's at five wins and you know two straight losses to end the year would be disappointing right but there would be still a lot of positives in my mind. Like I've kind of seen enough. Virginia Tech's found their quarterback in Kyron Drones, right? I feel like they have offensive direction for the first time in a long time where they have their quarterback. You know, Bowen seems to be comfortable calling plays for drones. Uh, Tech does have weaknesses on the offensive line that we're aware of that will need to be addressed in the offseason, whether it's improvement of the younger guys on the offensive line or, you know, additions through the transfer portal. Uh, we know that Virginia Tech, you know, needs some upgrades defensively on the interior of the defensive line going into next year because they're losing a lot of guys there. The linebacking core, it's been mercurial all year. We know kind of where they're at in the linebacking group. But there's at least direction with this program, you know? There's improvement. 
it's palpable. We see it, you know, prize out on the recruiting trail. They're doing well on the recruiting trail. And now they have results to point to where regardless of kind of what happens the last two games, you know, Pry and his staff can look at that and say, look what happened year one. Look at what we're building. Look at how we played in year two. It wasn't always pretty, but we're making strides in a positive direction. He can sell hope now that he got to the five wins, especially with the improvement from September. So I'm real hopeful Virginia Tech makes a bowl game, goes to a bowl game. And I don't really, I personally don't really care too, too much about the bowl result in, in regard to the rebuild because a lot of that depends on matchup and who's playing, who's not, and that sort of thing. But I am obviously a lot more confident now in mid-November than I was in in late September in terms of where Virginia Tech's at. And I feel like my mindset on that is going to be the same regardless of what happens the last two games, even if I would be disappointed that Virginia Tech were to not make a bowl game. I do feel like we have answers to questions. Like, we know where the questions are. We have an answer at quarterback. Like, I, I think we should feel pretty good going into 2024, regardless of what happens here the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, Mike, after Marshall, I probably would have thought that this post-BC podcast would have the topic of conversation of, you know, who are the next coordinators? We'd be asking big questions. That's the direction it seemed to be going in. Yeah, like instead was, we're talking about unlikely mathematical scenarios where we could make the ACC championship which, game. <laughs> like that, it, it has been a whirlwind. It has been a roller coaster. But you have results to point to. They are kicking ass against. Yeah, not the best teams in the world, but at least they're beating some teams. A year ago, handily. we weren't beating anybody handily <laughs> too. And you said it yourself, Andrew. You said coming into the year, we all penciled in that BC game as a win. And even after September, when we were having the conversations, the three of us, about the state of this team and where are the wins going to come, BC is the game we still kind of pointed to because we saw how BC looked in September. They lost to Northern Illinois. They didn't look too impressive in the non-conference schedule, right? They had that weird Holy Cross result where they didn't look like they wanted to win that game for stretches of <laughs> the second half. Like, we were looking at that game like, okay, maybe BC will be like the second or third win of the year. Now they were the fifth, and Tech beat them by four touchdowns in Chestnut Hill. And like Ricky, you just mentioned, like, we were talking about, okay, is this Virginia Tech's best win? And we could talk about all the metrics, right? I mentioned that, you know, BC is the third worst team in Connolly's SP+. They are the worst team in ESPN's FPI. But when you look at the context, and that was a really good point Ricky made, getting blown out by Louisville on the road and having the questions going into a place where historically Virginia Tech has had some issues going into Chestnut Hill. And to win the and, game like and that... And under Brett Pry, they've had issues going into everyone else's building. They were 1-9 and nine entering Saturday on the road. And to go and win a game like that by four touchdowns? Like, Ricky, I'm in total agreement with you, man. Like, I think that this is the best win of the year, just taking everything into account. I in think I may of, have proposed it, by the way, and now it's highly possible that Virginia Tech makes a bowl game with Boston College being that signature win. It's highly possible. Yeah. In terms of whether or not I view this season as a success, I said before the year, I felt like the six-win mark was really, really important, and I still believe that. 
Me too. If, if Virginia Tech were to go 0-2 in these last two games, which I'm going to go on record and say is not going to happen. If Virginia Tech goes 0-2 in this stretch, I don't think that I could I could without lying to myself finish the year and try and convince myself that winning missing my preseason target of six wins and losing to UVA to finish the year counts as a success. I know that they have shown progress. We saw that with establishing QB1, which I I think is really important. We've seen that with the impact of some of these transfer additions that have eligibility after the year. Um, We've seen it with the secondary playing well and those guys still having eligibility. But if you, if you only win five games and that includes two losses to finish the season, one of which is against Virginia rivalry game, I think you're going to have a hard time pitching that Um, as, as excited as everyone feels right now, you know, weekend after Thanksgiving, you lose to Virginia as bad as they've been this year. And as good as Virginia Tech has looked at times this year, it's going to be a massive letdown. And I think fans will rightfully be upset with how the season is finished. So to me, Virginia Tech needs to win one of these two games. Um, that has to include winning the last one, right? So essentially, it, it, as important as this week's result may be for kind of a barometer of the program of are they are, are they benefiting from a really bad schedule and beating up on really crappy teams or are they legitimately playing really really good football we'll find a little bit more out about that this weekend against NC State but if they lose against NC State and beat Virginia you can say look they beat up against the bad part of the ACC they showed they showed progress they got to bowl eligibility they maintained their dominance over Virginia to me, that's really concrete progress. So I'm going to stick to the fact they need to get to six wins. And I think that they will get there. Yeah, I mean, like, your point about the preseason goal and all that is, you know, very, very true. But, and you're not wrong, right? We're all very excited right now coming up this trouncing. Bill eligibility feels inevitable. And if you were to not achieve that with the loss to UVA, it would certainly be like a sour way to end the season. Right. But going back to how we felt coming off of that Marshall game, it felt so incredibly unlikely that Brent Pry was going to be able to go into that year two to year three offseason being able to point to any sense of momentum and say, all right, this is what we're building towards. Here's our concrete evidence for it. And even if you lose the two games, like prize is in no way dead in the water. Both coordinators are likely safe. Not even likely, but they are. Yeah. Yeah, Even if they lose the next two games, they they, they are safe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, They are safe. Yeah. Bowen will be here. Marv will be here. Pretty much the entire coaching staff, unless they choose to leave. Pull a Rudolph. Will be here. 
and you trounced in big home games with recruit visitors your conference competition mm-hmm. like in that sense compared to where we were you know 14 15 games into this coaching tenure you know this is a world of progress and a place that not many people thought we could get to so yeah. i i still think that just judging the in-season progress the season's going to be a success no matter what and it gives you a lot of confidence going into next season and especially this off season being able to plug some holes with the transfer portals and with the transfer portal guys and knowing what you have coming back so many guys coming back that have succeeded for virginia tech will be on the roster next year wasn't a ton of guys you could point to heading into even this year where you could say that. And now you're going to have a bunch. I mean, the season is pretty much what I've wanted to see. Two straight L's would be a huge downer, but just like Ricky, I'm going to go on on record and say that's that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, it was more of a hypothetical than anything else. I, I agree, like, Coming into the year, I I think we all thought the measure of success would have been, I I think six wins would have been fantastic. We all said five. I said in the preseason, I thought, you know, five wins would be a clear sign of improvement compared to where they were at a year ago. But it's more of just kind of the feeling of knowing you have your quarterback, unless he just randomly decided to dip. We're not going to play that game. I'm I'm not interested in playing that game. But the fact you found your quarterback, right? And you know definitively where this team is deficient, right? Going into next season. Like, yeah, you're going to lose guys to the transfer portal. That's what happens. Hopefully you keep the core of your team together, which is what Pry is certainly going to try to do to continue the momentum. But you kind of know what this team is at this point, right? They've made such strides offensively that I mean, they have for the first time in a long time direction on that side of the ball drones, obviously being a big part of it, you know, you're going to have singularity, a quarterback and consistency, a quarterback year over year for the first time. Like we said, since 2017, 2018, that's huge. We talk, that's a big reason why the Fuente era failed, right? We talked about that, not being able to get quarterback right, having the rotating door year over year, you know, not having that consistency in the room, not being able to go, you know, year to year, having, you know, the one quarterback be your guy, right? And, you know, we thought we had that with Hooker, and then COVID happened, and things got weird, and Fuente doomed that regime, right, with the decisions he made in that room, no doubt about it. Like the whole thing with Burmeister, a disaster. But that was kind of like a hallmark of just the up and down nature of this Virginia Tech program for the better part of the last six or seven years was just not being able to figure out quarterback. And answering that question is such a monumental one in college football, having that guy under center that's dynamic. I mean, think about what Brent Pry had said, right? How he wanted to build his program. You know, we want to play really tough defense. We want to run the ball well, and we want to have a dynamic quarterback. 
guys, they're well on their way to doing all three of those things. It hasn't always been consistent, but they're well on their way. They're running the ball a whole hell of a lot better now that they have a mobile quarterback. Drones has proven that he can be the dynamic quarterback, and he is a dynamic quarterback, and he's still improving. And the defense has shown signs this year that they can really get after it. Wake Forest and Syracuse. We saw how they got after the quarterback. Jumped from the mid-60s in the FBS in total sacks to the top 10 in the country because they had 15 sacks in two games. There are signs of a Brent Pry coached defense there, and it has not been consistent. That's a big reason why Virginia Tech's 5-5 five and five and not better because there has been inconsistency on that side of the ball and on offense. But there, there are signs, and that's the most important thing to me is like signs of life, signs of direction. You have your quarterback. Anything else from here on out is a cherry on top. But I'm with you guys. Like I truly believe that Virginia Tech's going to a bowl game. I think they could certainly win both of these games. I think if they beat NC State, they will go into that Virginia game in Charlottesville as probably a 7-10 to 10 point favorite and have a great shot to win that game. This is a very, very big game on senior day, and it's a very good measuring stick game. And this is the this is an opportunity for Virginia Tech to notch like their their biggest win of the year. Yeah, this is a this is going to be a tough game. We're going to get into that later in the week, obviously. But NC State has proven, despite their offensive inability. Right, they're pretty pretty offensively challenged. This defense is phenomenal. Dave Dorn's got those guys continuing to play physical football, and Brennan Armstrong didn't wreck it this week uh, as he was reinserted into the starting lineup. So the NC State game is going to be fun to watch. And um, once again, though, I think it goes back to what version of Virginia Tech shows up. Is this going to be the version that showed up against? middle of the road to bad ACC teams? Because if it is, I think Virginia Tech walks away with a pretty big win. And right now, ESPN bet has them as a three-point home favorite. And I think that that's probably pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've they've got an excellent shot to go seven and five, which, boys, remember late September before the Pittsburgh game, we were talking about two wins, three wins, maybe four. Got a chance to get to seven. It's been a it's been a fun turnaround for sure. You guys want to answer some listener questions? Go for Fire it. Fire away. Unless you had something to add there, Andrew. I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you might have a thought there. I mean, you guys have pretty much said it all there. There was just so many things. You know, once again, pointing to the Marshall game is really that inflection point in the season and really the overall coaching tenure we're saying things like we've never seen brent pry out coach the other staff across the way they've never won on the road they've never done this they've never done that and he's been checking boxes Mm -hmm. consistently the staff as a whole has been checking those boxes throughout the month of october and now into november and i don't have any lack of faith in this coaching regime going forward to build what they say they can build. 
they have taken the appropriate steps in the right direction that I would want to see. And let's see if they can take a few more. Totally agree. Listener questions. Number one, Joe Rogers. Oh, God. <laughs> Thoughts on the Grant Wells scramble fumble? Brutal. Unfortunate. Absolutely brutal. Unfortunate because he made a nice play. So it's very unfortunate for him. Uh, unfortunate is I the feel word. Bad for him. I do too. I feel, yeah, devastated for him. That was exceptionally hard to watch. He made such a good play too Grant, for most of it. Grant probably is not going to be in a Virginia Tech uniform next season. Mm-hmm. So that may or may not be our last moment to remember him by, which is sad. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, like, to all the people out there dunking on him, I get it. It's kind of funny. And you probably don't like him because you don't More think he's frustrating. very frustrating. I wanted 50 points, damn it. I, I know you wanted 50, 50 points, Ricky. The game was a failure. Needed the 50-burger. The game yeah, was a failure. Game was, game was completely washed away because Grant Wells fumbled on a garbage time run. Virginia Tech didn't score 50 points. Do you feel better, worse, <laughs> or about the same in regard to Virginia Tech's chances of making a bowl game? Worse. Worse. Absolutely. You have to feel worse. <laughs> All right, next question. Next question. <laughs> okay, wait, just let me finish. Wells is probably a good kid, and he dedicated a lot of time. So it's not funny that, like Ricky said, his last moment in Orange Maroon is a laughable failure, which was so close to being kind of a feel-good uh, success, really turned on a dime. But laughable failure. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't need to beat the kid up any more than – he already absurd. I, I felt sad. Knows. I honestly felt sad. I really did. Yeah. More so for Grant, not because the game the game was over by then. I <laughs> was like, all right, whatever. But that may be his last defining moment in a Virginia Tech uniform. Yeah. It's... We all should hope it is. <laughs> Hanging in blue. All right. Uh James <laughs> Copeland. Our buddy James. We make a bowl or not, sure hope we do. Five to six wins is what I was hoping for. He's asking. We've kind of answered that question. But the next part of the question is where it gets interesting. What do we need for next year? He's talking personnel-wise. O-line, D-line, linebackers. Anyone need to swap spots? Maybe slide the O-line? Who of the young guys? Well, I, let's answer that question first in terms of what Virginia Tech needs to address. We've talked about that a little bit. But, I mean, off the top of my head, I think the right side of the offensive line gives me some concern. And if you were going to swap anybody in regard to the offensive line specifically, I would consider trying to get Caden Moore back to right guard. Yeah. That's an obvious change I would make. Like maybe go to the either develop somebody, you know, younger and get them to play center or go to the transfer portal and grab yourself one and get Caden Moore back to his natural position of guard because he's really good at that and he's just kind of a mediocre center but he's a really, really good, like, all-conference caliber guard, as we saw a year ago. I would way, really like to see him back there in that in that spot. The way I see it at offensive line, grab as much talent as you can possibly get and figure it out in, in spring ball. Yeah. That that room needs talent. It's just it, it's a simple fact. They need more talent. And yeah. if you can find guys, I don't care what position they play, we can move some folks around. So. I don't care where the hell it is. Just get better, 
get better players. Yeah. Same thing goes for defensive line. I think that's a huge, huge issue for this team. Losing a lot at defensive yeah. line. And yeah, not sure what, not sure what APR's future is. Uh, I don't know what his eligibility. He, uh, he'll be he'll be back is. he'll be back if he wants to be. So if you can pair someone up next to a or opposite APR, that makes a huge difference. Clearly, linebacker is still a problem. I know you've got some young players at. Uh, star that, that you feel comfortable with, but the middle linebacker and um, I guess that's strong side linebacker or whatever, whatever, however they label it, they've got to get that position fixed. Those two positions have been pretty, pretty frustrating all year. I know Kelly Lawson has shown some flashes of being a really solid player, but he's been a bit inconsistent for my liking. So Jade McDonald played yesterday a lot, looked I'll pretty good. He was hurt. He he got yeah. banged up early, but he looked good when he was. I'll take whoever, hurt. whoever we can get at the position. That's got some, some track record of production. Cause yeah. even if they're not starters, you need some depth there, but I think those are the big positions for me. Yeah. For me, defensive line just makes me moderately worried. I'm sure there is, but. I definitely hope that there's some analysts on our team constantly reviewing highlights of group of five interior defensive linemen, maybe who are from the area, graduating this year, you know, automatic transfer. You're going to have to get at least a couple of guys to fill out that room next year and not go into the season feeling like that's a built-in deficiency that you got to worry about. So I'm sure it will be addressed. It's probably not the most challenging position to address. I think it's far less challenging than offensive line might be, but you know, it's got to be attacked. Tight end too, another position. Yeah, like there's some promising guys there, but like they still got to come along. Daquan Wright, I obviously has been playing pretty well. Uh, we've seen some pla- we've seen some flashes from Gosnell there too. Uh, but you got to continue to bring that group along. One one guy uh, that I think <laughs> is going to be a pretty significant loss is Nasir Peoples because he's out of eligibility and he'll yeah. be gone. And safety is a safety is an issue. Safety is an issue there. Uh, so Tech's going to have to address that for sure. So that's that's one area that I, I know offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, like those are the groups that need to be addressed in totality. But as far as just one individual guy leaving that I think is going to impact defense potentially more than anyone else, it, it would be Nasir Peoples' departure. So where's Jenkins at on his eligibility? Uh, Jenkins, know? I think I think this is it for Jenkins. I believe. Uh, Although he, I can't remember if he was a freshman during the COVID year. Yeah, this COVID year's got me all jacked up as it relates yeah. to eligibility. Yeah, um, so I don't know if he's in the same boat as Peoples or if he may have one more year. I'm, I'm but, trying to find that out now. Go ahead and read the next question yeah. while we're at it. So uh, this this is kind of related to what we were just talking about, but who of the young guys who have played a little bit could also see a bigger role next year? And the one that sticks out to me just by virtue of how he played in the first half before he got banged up yesterday was Jaden McDonald. Uh, he's been in the program a couple of years, uh, but he's starting to see a little bit more action. Uh, I could see him being one of the uh, one of the younger guys who could see a bigger role next year. So 
I'm going to go with Moe's Phillips. Yeah. I mean, we just oh, got man. done talking about safety. Moe's Phillips is probably going to be playing a lot more snaps next season. Uh, man. Uh, Andrew Alex's boy, Aiden Green, has been getting a lot of snaps lately at receiver. I, I, I can envision a scenario in which he continues to take on more of a role there next year. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see if Jennings comes back. Yeah. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. With big, a medical uh, red shirt, he could. Yeah. Now, I think it'd be beneficial for him to come back. I really do. If he's got aspirations to play at the NFL level, if he wants to put his body through it for another year and give it another shot, a big I year. think it would be beneficial for him to come back at college, especially P5 with a quarterback that is starting to become more comfortable and will be in his second year in the offense. I, they say, you know, if you're talented, they'll they'll come find you, right? The NFL scouts, like Jennings, certainly did enough at the Group of Five level to warrant, you know, him being a potential pro. But if he did something similar at the P five level, I, draftable, draftable. Well, and, and to your point, Mike, the NFL scouts will come find you if you're good enough. Yep. And he has yet to already enter the NFL draft, which leads me to believe that that scouting report currently writes out that there's still more that the NFL folks want to see out of him. And Virginia Tech will be a comfortable situation to try to do it. More comfortable going into the next year than the one he signed up for going into this year. And, yeah. and to this point, boys, we're going to get a list of guys being honored for senior day for this game. Yeah. Which will help us figure out who's probably not coming back. Mm -hmm. So that list will be what will help us kind of solve some of these issues. Judging off what I can tell from Keontae Jenkins, he has another year if he wants it. I wonder if Kyle Chung is going to be on that list. Or, or David Wang. If you want to throw it way back to like 2011, the guys who literally would never leave college. Next for a question, Smith. Mike. <laughs> Tyrell Smith. Yeah, Tyrell Smith. Uh, from Steve Bryce, uh, I'm going to just ask one of these two questions because the other one's basketball related. And we're going to hit basketball real quick at the end, potentially. I don't yeah. know. We're, we're about an hour in. Uh, how important is it to win this Saturday? We've touched on that a little bit, but. How important is it to win this Saturday so we don't set ourselves up for a hell game in Charlottesville with bowl eligibility on the line? I mean, it's not as important as winning in Charlottesville. So at least I don't believe it is. I think that, yeah, this game is important, but that game Thanksgiving weekend, that's, that is, that is super uber important. You want to talk about being the flagship program. You got to walk in to lane stadium North kick their teeth in, win seven games. That's how you do it. So I think that, I think that game is really, really important. Yeah, Ricky. I mean, like a lot of what Brent Pry has been tasked to do in this job is reestablish the brand of Virginia tech football. He has earned a lot of positive points in that direction already in part just because of the way he's winning these home games in front of the home crowd, in front of recruits. But part of that brand 
is consistently beating the University of Virginia. Yep. He has not done it yet, albeit he has not had the opportunity to do it yet. But, you know, it, it's it would be a even if they beat NC State and lost to Virginia, it feel like there's still a little bit of a yeah, they were six and six and reached bowl eligibility, but they lost to UVA. Yeah, that game is this game's too important. Got to win it. I agree with what you guys said for all those reasons, so I won't continue rambling. Uh, Cougar trainee, will Bashel Tootin leave or will he stay since it will be the drones show next year? <laughs> give me that. Give me that handle again, Mike. Cougar trainee. Awesome, love it. What was the question? I'm sorry, that completely well, had me face. Will Tootin leave? <laughs> Tootin being the starting running back, will he leave? <laughs> or will he stay since it will be the Drones show next year? I feel like it does Tootin little good to not want to play with Kyron Drones. I mean, I would agree. Having, having a mobile quarterback who's willing to run the football opens up opportunities for the running back i mean unless he wants to go play in the big 10 right i'm sure iowa will have an opening if <laughs> they're always looking for guys to run the football uh to me it it would make more sense i think for tootin to stay obviously i'm looking at it from a different perspective but tootin has not had the most consistent season this year statistically he has shown a lot of abilities to make plays in space, which certainly translates to the next level. But in order to, I think, establish that that track record of production, he needs to come back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can always make the argument that, you know, his stock is moderately high and it won't increase that much. Like, he has a decent track record so far. Your lifespan as a running back is shortened with every hit. But I would expect to see him back next year. Yeah, it would be surprising. It would be surprising. Uh, Okay. This is a question from Scott Pollard. And we've talked about, will Tech make a bowl game? We've talked about this entire episode. But we haven't gone on the record yet in saying what Virginia Tech's final record would be. And he's asking, so we're going to do it. What do myself, Andrew, and Ricky think about our chances of winning out and going seven and five in the regular season and Brent Price second year at Virginia Tech. Fifty-fifty. Agree. I have nothing to add. Agree. Yeah, fifty-fifty. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think it's fifty-fifty. NC State presents now that's winning out. That's not making a bowl game. No, right? no, no, no. Just no. to clarify, Just winning, winning out, winning out. Yeah, winning to, out. Yeah, to go two and zero in the stretch, it's fifty fifty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, NC State certainly presents a challenge. I think, as we've stated multiple times on this podcast already, the chances of zero and two are very, very low. So, what am I more confident in? A one and one finish or a two and zero finish? I'm mentally grappling with that right now. And I'd like to see a little bit more of like what NC State looked like with Brendan Armstrong at the helm again. 
Maybe Mike could give me a short summary. Wasn't good. Wasn't good. They completed half his he completed half his passes for like 110 yards. Great game. More they of won. that this week. They one won. of the one of the I guess biggest disappointments of the season, really, but not quite as big of a disappointment as the 75 plus million dollar buyout for Jimbo Fisher. AM. Off topic, but AM is a phenomenal job. I saw some people in Josh Pate, Late Kick, CBS Sports, really great podcast, YouTube show. Watch him frequently. A lot of people were in his mentions arguing about whether or not AM was a good job. AM's a fantastic job. You're in Texas, you have all the money you need in NIL, resources everywhere. They will pay you a $75 million buyout in full instead of going full Jeremy Pruitt like Tennessee did and trying to fire you for cause because they don't want to pay a massive buyout. They'll pay you the buyout in full. They care about winning. They have an incredible fan base. Yeah, if you suck, no you can make millions and millions of dollars there. It's it's the it's one of the best jobs in the country. Like it's a top. You'd be hard pressed to find five better. I was going to say it's it's got to be top ten. It's top ten at worst. Yeah, like it's yeah. It's like Bama, really good job. Georgia, Florida State, LSU, um, Ohio State. Michigan, Texas. Uh, Would you rather have? Are we going to go Oregon or USC? Notre Dame? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. A A and M is probably ahead of a couple a- a- of those a- teams we mentioned. They're in that mix. They're in that group. Yeah. So, so we'll say at worst, it's a top fifteen job in the country. Yeah. So and they'll pay yeah. you like it's a top three job. So who cares? Right. Is it going to be my boy Elko, Mike? Michael Elko. I think it's going to. I tweeted this before we start recording tonight. If I were AM, because I I think there might be a little culture thing amiss, right? Like AM brought in an incredible recruiting class two years ago, like one of the highest in the history of the, the 24 7 sports composite. And, you know, Jimbo got nothing out of it, really. I think they need kind of a culture reset. Because you can recruit at AM. I think you gotta go with a guy who knows Texas well, like the state of Texas well, has a track record of building a good culture within their programs. So my top two coaches, if I were AM, one of them's Mike Elko, which is a splashier hire. The other one is Jeff Trailer at UTSA, who lives in those Texas high schools and has built a really good group of five program there. I don't think it will be him because that would be a, that would be a good pick, but it's not splashy. And if you fire a coach and pay him 75 million on the way out, you're going to want splashy again, but splashy hasn't always worked at A&M. So those would be my top two choices. I'm seeing for a second there. I thought you were going to say Jeff Fisher. That would be something. I was like, a- what is this guy talking about? That would seeing, be that would be a- something A and M would do, though. Like, I'm seeing let's... three uh, interesting uh, potential candidates here, just on Yahoo's uh, article on it. Lane Kiffin, <laughs> which I think would be a mistake, quite sure. honestly. For yeah, Lane. no, but it's totally in the wheelhouse of something they would do. Sure. Yeah. Um, Dan Lanning, which I also think is a mistake. 
If you're Dan Lanning, do you leave Oregon for Texas A&M? I think Lanning should stay at Oregon. I think he should stay at Oregon too, but I think I think that Dan Lanning's next coaching job might be at Alabama. Um, Mike Norvell, which would be really funny. Yeah, another Florida, another Florida (laughs) State coach. Hiring, which doesn't matter, by the way. Like it, that doesn't. It's it would just be funny. It would be a funny narrative thing. But, but now I think that Dan Lanning's next job might be at Alabama. I think that is not the worst thing you've ever said. Well, here's the worst thing <laughs> Thanks, I've ever Mike. said. You're welcome. <laughs> Shift in culture. Guy with it. credentials, maybe Don't a coach of the year award. Yes. Don't do, do it. it. Do Don't it. Do it. Do it. Knows the Don't state do it. of Texas. Do Don't it. Don't do it. Say it, Andrew. There's an analyst in Indiana looking there it is. for a job. There it is. And what is his name, Andrew? <laughs> Justin Fuente. There it is. We'll bring Bo Davidson out of retirement. He's working TX at, to TX. He's Makes working a whole at, lot more sense. Bo Davidson's working at Georgia Tech. Oh, I found out. Go. Yeah. Get the whole band back. Together. How about uh? How about Gundy? Did you see what happened to Oklahoma State yesterday? I know, I know, but nah, his, his next teams job have been is, pretty good there. His next job is being a grandpa and retiring. I think. I yeah. I was going right. to say his next job is bartender at Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. But <laughs> the, how uh, about uh, how about Lance uh, Leopold or Leopold at Kansas? At Kansas, I feel like the Michigan State job's more likely for him. Okay. I do like him, though. Uh, I, I oh. do feel I, I agree with you, Mike, that they're probably going to go for splashy headline grabber. What are the odds that Justin day ends up with an offensive coordinator job this offseason? I think Justin put it day's at next job will be as a head coach. I would say around 50 percent. Uh, the, the offensive coordinator part. I'll put it 50%. at 40 for me. Yeah. I yeah. think that Justin Fuente ends up at a group of five school, like a Tulsa or something like that. I wonder if they're going to have turkey bacon on the menu there. Mike, you got any other questions? Uh, will Andrew ever, this is from Jay Oaks and Andrew already answered this. Uh, will Andrew ever change the battery in his smoke detector? I caught it the other day. It's all I can hear from then on. And then Andrew <laughs> said, we can pin that one on Ricky LeBlue, but I believe the issue has been resolved. So Ricky, can you confirm? I uh, I mean, it hasn't beeped for this uh, the entirety of this podcast, so I will knock on wood yes, to avoid the jinx there, and we'll move on. Uh, one thing I just remembered about the Justin Fuente bit we just did is that if he wants to hire his old buddy Brad Cornelson as offensive coordinator, he won't have to go far because Cornelson, of course, is the OC at Sam Houston State. So That is going to be a Thank tough you. sell to your boss, whoever that <laughs> athletic director is. Yes. Yeah, I want to bring in this guy who essentially got me fired from my last job. And then he but went to Sam Houston <laughs> and was the offensive coordinator for a team that have they won a game yet? Hey, hey, put uh, it this way. They have. Put it this way. But statistically, one of the best offenses in Virginia Tech history was coached by Brad Cornelson. Well, we're not a school known for offense. That's some that's <laughs> some sick shit, Ricky LeBlue. I have one final question, and this is actually a fun one. This is from Red Cup VT. Speaking for students, which bowl game would be the best for us fan-wise? And there's only one answer for me. One. There's only one answer for me. It's the Duke's Mayo Bowl. 
has to be. Oh, that's not what I was going to say. Oh, okay. I, I well, I thought it was the podcast bit. I thought it was okay. the military okay. bowl. Yeah, yeah. I okay. mean, come on now. Podcast bit. That's yes, the bit. The military bowl. Yes, of course. There is Play only the one hits, answer. Mike. I'm sorry. There is only one answer. It is the military bowl. But no, you're right in the sense that uh, Charlotte is a fantastic place to live work and play andrew alex would know this better than anybody and i if live you here don't exclusively think, because it's fun if you don't think i want to see brent pry get a cooler of mayonnaise dumped on his head you got another thing coming i mean brent the, pry the memes will be amazing brent pry and his coaching staff and those of age would be drinking charlotte dry if they go to the duke's mayo bowl <laughs> beaten sec school and win like their eighth game of the year because it would the, be their eighth win they, the they'd have to win the last two the 2016 belk bowl for those who are old enough to remember that oh geez when virginia tech <laughs> won that one um that was a that was a fun experience in charlotte let's just put it that way charlotte's yeah. got a ton of virginia tech alum andrew being one of them it's very close to the area charlotte's a great place for tech fans obviously and as we talk about basketball, very briefly, in a few minutes, that point was proven just this past weekend. Yeah, not so much in the win win loss column. Yeah, let's just fun column. I, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Two and zero in the fun column. <laughs> I we we've rambled for like an hour and twenty five minutes, so I'm going to make this real brief. And if we want to expand upon it, we certainly can in the preview. But two quick takeaways for me: number one. The women's team's legit. Like, they're real good again. And they got Caitlin Clark, and that's unfortunate. But if you watch that game, it's pretty apparent that Georgia Amor is one of the best players in the country. And that's saying a lot when Liz Kitley is probably the favorite. It, not even probably. She is the favorite to win ACC Player of the Year. So, I'm stock up on Amor. Kitley did. I mean, Kitley had a double-double. I don't think she played her best game. Kayla Kane got into foul trouble. That really hurt because, you know, she was going to be the one tasked because she's just because just because of her size. Like Caitlin Clark is is just an issue to deal with. Like she's an unbelievable scorer. That's a lot for Georgia Amor at her size. Kayla King's a little bigger. You're hoping to stick Kayla on Caitlin Clark just to kind of make up for the height disparity there. She got in foul trouble, didn't work out. Uh, but looking forward to the rest of the year i mean this team tech, has a chance to be really freaking good again tech got, yeah tech got click caitlin clarked and they shot 38 percent from the field and lost by four so on a neutral on a bad, neutral floor bad shooting night not a good night to have it matilda eck did not play well kitley was kind of inefficient in the first half but you shoot that poorly you get you give up 44 to to one one single player you lose by four points. I'm not all that upset about it. Mm-mm. Yeah. I mean, kind of to what we talked sad. about in the preview, the core, that being Italy, Amor, and King, you know, remains the same. But you're still trying to work in new pieces, transfers, you know, bench players like a Wenzel who's getting significantly more time this season. Uh, even some freshmen getting involved. You'd expect this team to be clicking much better and, you know, firing at all cylinders by midway through ACC play. And that's kind of where you 
you really feel like you'll expect them to peak. That should be the right time. So to play Iowa that close this early in the stages of that is impressive and positive information to see, you know, positive information to process on top of that, just an unreal atmosphere to speak to my spectator experience. It had the atmosphere of a final four game. The crowd was so into it. And that included, you know, some friendly Iowa fans on the other side place was packed. It was one of the cooler and more unique Virginia Tech sporting events of any kind that I have ever attended. And, you know, are a really unique and, you know, 10 out of 10 would do again experience despite the loss. The men's game, on the other hand, did not feel like a Final Four game at all. Uh, totally felt like a November college basketball game and Virginia Tech played like a November college basketball team. Frustrating. I don't want to expand upon this a ton because I'll start rambling. But like if if the plan and so I <laughs> Virginia Tech played Friday, their next game is this coming Wednesday. So I think that maybe that had a little bit to do with this or just the sheer fact that like Young doesn't think he can take Padula and Couture off the floor. But I'll tell you what, if they're going to have to play like 35 minutes a night against teams that actually matter, this team is going to crater by mid-January. Like they are not they, they're not built for that. They got to figure out other guys who can contribute. Uh, Hunter Couture played Hunter Couture played 48 minutes. Sean Padula played 38. MJ Collins only played 18. Barely played I, in the second half. I don't I don't understand the rotations uh in this game. I don't understand Rex Steiner playing two minutes. Like at, at a certain level, you've got to trust your guys to go play. And yeah. it's too early in the season to not give guys opportunities. Especially when you don't it's not like you have a solidified third or fourth guard, right? Like we kind of expect that it's Padula, Couture, Collins. After that, you kind of got some openings at guard. So give Rex Steiner a chance. Like we don't need to see Sean Padula play 38 minutes. We don't need Hunter Couture playing 40 minutes. It's just not reasonable. They lost this game by two points. That's frustrating. This may hurt them come March, but I'm more frustrated that guys aren't getting chances. In, in these kind of impactful games. If you play it's with... too early in the year to start pigeoning well, the guys here, into the bench. Here, here's what I'll Great. tell you. If we're going to be playing these guys 35, 40 minutes a game, and that's what we're doing right now, that's clearly the plan that we went with, uh, things could look pretty bad when you have to play three games in four days in like a yeah. week against... Yeah. The worst team you play is probably better than South Carolina. Right, So right. No matter who, no matter what the draw you get is, whether you go 0 and 3 or 3 and 0, you're going to be playing moderately competitive competition. You know, Tech couldn't get and a it stop. Could look bad. Tech couldn't get a stop in this game. And I, it was just, that was very frustrating. It's a small sample size. We'll see if this continues, but the rotations were very confusing to me. So it's something to monitor. Uh, again, Tech plays Wednesday night. We'll see what this team is going to be. I was just, I was very disappointed with how Friday night went because South Carolina, yeah. a preseason poll doesn't 
mean really more than the paper it's printed on, uh, especially at the bottom of some of these conferences. But like South Carolina was picked last in the SEC and you just gave up like a 50% shooting night from three. 56% from the field for South Carolina, 476 from three point land. That kid, BJ, the forward, I forget his last name right now. Uh, BJ Mac. BJ Mac killed Miles him. Studi had a hell of a game, five for six from three. Yeah. Yeah. But also, Killer. South Carolina played 10 players. They look good, man. I mean, to their credit, and, and you know, we'll, we'll be able to, I think, reflect on this once there's a bigger sample size of Virginia Tech and say, was this more of what Virginia Tech did wrong or what South Carolina did right? But you got to give South Carolina a lot of credit. They made a million shots. <laughs> like, they made everything they looked at, like, contested, not contested. They made everything. Yeah, that they made everything, and Virginia Tech lost by two. Yeah. It was frustrating. I just, you got to come away with a win there. I don't know. I mean, I, it's early, right? It's early. But given that you have, like we said, three games in four days against decent to good competition, followed up by Auburn the next week. You know, that's four games right there. And then you'll have Wake Forest the day before uh, New Year's Eve, right? Yeah. So we'll throw Louisville in the should be a win category just based on last year. They're so bad. But, you know, if you have, you already have one loss. If you have four or five losses, really anything more than four, going into 2024 with the ACC slate, you know, the conversation becomes a a big uphill battle towards yeah. your chances at making the NCAA tournament. So as new and trying to mesh and figure out these rotations as this team is, you have like two weeks to figure it out because you have a big swath of what should be toss-up games that can make or break your resume at the end of the year if you're playing a competitive schedule in the ACC. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, last point I just want to make is is one all three of us discussed on our basketball preview podcast that we recorded last week. By the way, if you haven't listened to that yet, that is still relevant. Go listen to it. It's it's good. Outside of us saying, oh, Tech's got a big game on the men's and women's side this week against Iowa and South Carolina. Outside of that one line that we made in that podcast, it's all still relevant. Go listen to it. But a point that we made is with the way the ACC was last year and the questions about the conference this year, kind of in the middle you don't know how many quality wins you're going to get in league play like you're not 100 percent sure right on paper so winning some of these non-conference games that are more 50 50 against power conference opponents are really important and so far virginia tech's 0 for one so we'll see what kind of what that turns into uh we'll be back later this week to talk nc state big game big 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 game uh, on senior day on Saturday at Lane Stadium. Please, if you have not done so, I keep reiterating this, and we see the ratings and the reviews coming in, but if you have not done so already, please throw us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It's really, really important. It really helps us with some things we're trying to do. So uh, please do that if you have not done so already. Guys, anything else? Just to all the listeners, you know, we appreciate you. And to piggyback off what Mike said, you know, we'd appreciate it if you could leave that review, if you could hit that subscription, if you go ahead and tell your friends, uh, you have full permission to 
go after me or Mike or Ricky when they do stuff like overhype Boston College like I may have done. But been wrong before, we'll be wrong again. But doing this for uh, five years with these guys, five seasons. Yep. And uh, looking forward to doing it uh, much longer. So thanks for those that have been listening with us the entire time. Uh, if you're newer to the podcast, we appreciate you just as much. We hope you stick around. Make sure to follow the boys on Twitter. Uh, Mike McDaniel, SI, Andrew Alex Radio, at Ricky the Blue. My column will be coming out Monday morning. Uh, as will this podcast, unless Mike is a it'll be out tonight. sicko and edits it'll be out it tonight. tonight it'll be out tonight. I don't know if he'll be out before midnight, but it'll be yeah, out. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, Mike's will be out tonight. Mike's a, Mike's a crazy, but yeah, thanks for listening. Um, and I think I I think I can speak for the pod in saying that uh, our our phrase to finish this podcast isn't changing. And we're going to plant our flag and firmly stand behind. Fly, Hokies, fly. Go, Hokies.